PCUM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today we're talking with PCUM students, Hiro Patel, DO Class of 22, PCUM Georgia, and Gabby Yankelevich, DO Class 21 of Philadelphia. With the global COVID-19 pandemic drastically changing our lives over the past several months, PCUM students have risen to the occasion and have shown incredible strength, resilience, and ingenuity, particularly our guests here today. In Swanee, as the health crisis deepened, Hero and her classmates searched for ways to contribute and decided to establish a student-run service, offering grocery shopping to local residents. In Philadelphia, Gabby and her classmates responded to the urgent need for personal protective equipment and for Medical Students for Masks, a group of medical and nursing students committed to raising funds to secure FDA-approved N95 respirator masks for local health professionals. Welcome, Hero and Gabby. Thank you. I've been so impressed and proud of the way PCUM students have been giving back. Tell me more about your experience and what made you want to help. And why don't we start with Hero first? So as you know, I'm from Georgia, and I'm originally from Sewanee, where PCOM is located. And um, while we were out of classes and back at home, I saw a lot of people I knew personally, you know, people that were elderly and immunocompromised, that kind of, you know, we're in limbo. They didn't really know like what was safe, what was not safe. So as people that have a background in medicine, um, I felt like it was important for us to do as much as we could to help our community. So as far as forming um, our organization goes, I just reached out to some classmates and see if they were interested in helping out people that we knew. And we got a lot of youth coverage and we grew way more than I thought we would, which is great. We were able to help out a lot of people. We even had um, a woman from Canada reach out to us because her mother lives in Georgia and she doesn't have anyone here and she needed help. So I think just seeing the impact of a few people coming together and helping our community where we go to school and like where some of us grew up was really important to me. Thank you. Gabby? So the organization started up uh, Pretty uniquely in the fact that Judy Lubis and I, another uh, fourth year medical student, our landlord was able to obtain 495 masks. So it started off with some really simple Facebook crowdfunding just to get 400 masks that we would decide to give to hospitals throughout Philly. And uh, this organization grew really quickly because within less than an hour, we were able to raise um, the $1,000 for the masks. And so we, with the help of Brianna Cruson, who's um, an upcoming second year and Mark Side in another fourth year at PCOM. We're able to co-found Medical Students for Masks. And uh, to date, we've delivering to over 50 programs. Um, I think it's 52 now in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Delaware. And like outside of Philadelphia County, so we're doing six counties in Pennsylvania. As well, we've donated for masks. We've donated um, over 22,000 masks consisting of N95s, KN95s, surgical masks, and face shields. We've donated over 6,000 gowns and coveralls and a lot of various other PPE like intubation boxes, goggles, booties, bouffant caps, things like that. Um, so we're really proud of our organization. We have one more really big drop-off um, coming within the next couple of weeks since now in addition to the mask crisis, there's a bit of a gown uh, crisis, but we've obtained just this week over 3,000 gowns and we're really happy that we've been able to help because you know in a year we'll be residents and if this would have happened in a year, this would be happening to us. So we're happy to support our fellow healthcare workers. Oh, that's awesome. PCOM students are remarkably resilient in the face of adversity. 
Why do you think students like you and others rise to the occasion so well in moments like these? I would say that it's more of a responsibility. I think that comes tied in with our profession. You know, we have a lot of us have the resources to be able to do something like this. You know, well, others might not even have access to volunteers or to donations or to, you know, the things that we need to make to help others. So I think it's more of it's just like an inner responsibility that comes with wanting to be a medical profession. You know, all I've wanted to do since I was three years old is do medicine. And I totally understand why we were pulled from rotations. But it also when all you want to do is be in the hospital helping support your fellow physicians. Um, it's just, you know, it was something we had to do. It wasn't even a question of are we going to do this? It's just like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get vendors? How are we going to distribute? How are we going to get in contact with hospitals? And let's just get it done. Um, and I think, you know, aside from the co-founders, there's PCOM students that are helping us. There's Drexel students, Temple students. We've had a really awesome uh, turnout from the community as well, which has been great. What is the feeling among your classmates and peers about this experience? Originally, I reached out to Amy Tran and Manali Desai, two of my classmates, just to like pitch the idea. Um, and then we ended up making a flyer and throwing it in our class group meet just to see like if we had interest, if we even had people that were willing to take out some time. A lot of us are board studying right now, you know, with um, our exams coming up in a month. So that was something that we wanted to make sure that people really wanted to put in time to something like this, because without our volunteers, you know, we wouldn't be able to do anything. So we actually had an amazing turnout. Um, overall, we've had over 40 active volunteers. So um, as far as classmates goes, like there was a lot of support. I even received emails from um, faculty members and just saying that they heard about what we're doing and they would love to help. So as far as um, support from the community goes, like we were really like taken back by how much people wanted to help. It initially started, as you said, with Judy and I reaching out um, to on crowdfunding for Facebook. And then pretty quickly, we got Brianna Krusen and Mark Seiden, who decided to help. And then after that, we realized that we kind of needed a social media presence um, in which Nicole Hatchard and uh, Farha Ali were able to help us out with. Um, and after that, it kind of exploded. And we've had uh, we have each hospital has a different volunteer contact. That's a medical student from either PCOM, Drexel, or Temple. The students have been great. We've been able to execute it pretty flawlessly with having no contact drop-offs and pickups from our um, either Judy Lupus or Brianna Cruson's house. And yeah, it's been going fantastic. We're really proud of our volunteers. They're all really hardworking. Um, and it alleviates a lot of my stress from not having to directly talk to the hospitals and having all of our volunteers contact one physician and then be that contact person. So it's been great with that. So what have you found to be the most rewarding part of the work you've been doing during this crisis? When we actually drop off our groceries, I've had people leave notes on their driveways or um, in front of their doors. Um, and we recently partnered with a nonprofit and we've been getting donations of hot meals and donating them to um, disabled and low-income seniors in the Solani Lawrenceville area. So when we take those meals to them, I think just the joy on their face and they're just so happy to see us and just what we're doing. And I think every interaction I've had with any elderly person or that we've helped, it's just been very heartwarming. You know, you just leave that place so happy. 
it's well worth it. It's worth all the time. And I wish there was even more that we could do. Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar feeling on our end. We've had residents uh, and we have like our testimonials on our website, but we've had residents text, email us, attendings text and email us say that, you know, they were overjoyed. We've had people cry when they got the PPE. We've done a lot of interviews to kind of promote our organization and say, you know, people are quite literally wearing trash bags instead of isolation gowns. And that's horrible. You know, it's really special. And exactly like Kara said, there's, you know, there's always more that you wish you could be doing. Um, but I'm really happy that we were kind of able to be this band-aid and fulfill the need. We were also able to donate to, we got a call from the Philadelphia Health Department and we were able to donate to them so that they could keep their COVID testing site open, which was really interesting since she's a member of the CDC and a representative for the CDC. So it was really cool to, you know, kind of donate to the CDC and be in charge of that process, which was awesome. This is a really uncertain time for everyone, you know, but the anxiety is particularly high for students. How would you recommend for students to ease some of that stress? And as a physician yourself, what do you think doctors can do to ease that anxiety between their patients and what they're experiencing in moments like this? I think the the most difficult part and where the anxiety comes from is really the lack of information. And people want absolutes. People want to know, they want certainty. You know, uncertainty is the source of the anxiety for everyone, for students, for patients, for me, you know, for faculty, staff, you know, when are we going back to work? When are we going back to rotations? You know, what's the residency match going to look like? You know, am I going to get to do this interview? Am I going to get to do this rotation? It's very difficult, but it's, you got to be honest. The most important thing you can be is honest and communicate the information you have at the time uh, because we just don't know. And in terms of patients, you just got to relay the accurate information that's based on science at the time. And part of the problem is, you know, we're so flooded today in the media and social media and television, you know, and there's every day there's a new expert. Everybody's an expert. So it's very hard for people to discern what's fact and what's fiction. And it's our job, you know, as physician and your job as physicians to be to, to communicate the science. And that's the best we can do. And just over communicate. It's okay not to know. I mean, when people ask me questions and I don't know, I'm going to tell them I don't know. But as soon as that information becomes available, I will most definitely share it with you. And in terms of stress and anxiety for the patients, it's just to be in contact, to let them know they're there. A lot of physicians have switched to telemedicine visits you know, to keep the lines of communications open and just for people to take care of themselves. You know, nothing's changed in, you know, 200 years of medicine. You know, eat right, get enough sleep, exercise and everything in moderation. You know, that, that'll carry 80% of the way. So people just need to follow the common sense guidelines. Social distance, wear a mask when appropriate, wash your hands and be careful and, and limit your risk where you can. And that's the best we can do. And we'll keep doing it until the information changes. How do you see training evolving to meet the needs of students in a post-COVID world? A, a lot of that depends on 
how quickly we get effective treatments and or a vaccine. The quicker that happens, the less we'll have to worry about the delivery of information, whether we stay virtual, whether we go hybrid, or whether we go back for face-to-face -face and hands-on. But I like to think that as a result of this, we take the best of everything and combine it going forward. So that's really from a delivery standpoint. The second point is what's the content gonna be? Obviously, I think we will all agree there'll be more emphasis on public health. There'll be more emphasis on pandemic planning. And the real, quite frankly, and the, you know, more emphasis on how to handle emergencies like this. And I think from an experience standpoint, you can see a lot of hospitals in New York when they got, you know, slammed early. You have a lot of people in different specialties being forced into different roles. So I think we really need to bring back the value. We may not see the day of rotating internships, but I think people will, will start to, re again, realize the value of a broad-based clinical education and not to be so narrowly focused. You know, you know, when you have dermatologists and pathologists working in intensive care units, you know, doing ventilator management, you know, that's, that's a little out of the ordinary. So we got to make sure we've got an adequately trained workforce. So, you know, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, it'll be delivery and content, which will change. And the fact that we had to go virtual for so much of the clinical rotations, I don't know how much of that'll be long lasting. I don't, you may see rotations change. If it's four weeks, maybe three weeks are face-to-face, -face, one week's virtual. I don't know how that's going to evolve, but the idea would be let's take the best out of this and move it forward. So why do you think right now is a good time to become a doctor? I, just, I don't think it's a good time to be a doctor. I think it's a great time to be a doctor. I think, you know, when you have moments in history, when once a hundred year type pandemics, you're, we've never been needed more as a profession. People have never needed physicians more, not only to treat, to shape health policy and to deliver accurate information. And this is a once in a lifetime experience. And, it's a, and we're learning about a disease that, you know, 12 weeks ago, we never even heard of. That is now, you know, taking over medical science. And to have the opportunity to learn and be part of that, I think, you know, on the one, one hand, obviously, from a human uh, tragedy and toll is horrible, but the opposite perspective from a learning experience, it, it can't, be, can't be topped. So, you know, and I think that'll also, you know, drive curriculum changes as well. You know, it's kind of a new disease that happens every once in a while that we need to learn about. So I think it's a really exciting time to be a physician and especially an osteopathic physician. Thank you, Hero and Gabby, for joining us today. The response to the global pandemic by PCOM students has been incredible to witness, and we should all be proud to know that they are the future leaders of the health profession. This crisis has presented unique and unprecedented challenges for all of us, but in the face of adversity, it is heartening to find so many examples of genuine humanity and selflessness, particularly among our students. To listen to past episodes of this podcast and become a subscriber, visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspective.